You're listening to Behind the Bliss, a weekly podcast where Rachel Autry brings conversations to you from women that share what's behind their highlight reel. Each episode is designed for you to see a message from the mess and encourage you to find balance in the bliss. We know that what you're facing is important for shaping who God has created you to be. Some may say it's a process that often happens behind the bliss. Here's today's episode. Guys, welcome to 2021. This is wild. Honestly, never thought we would make it out of what 2020 is, what it was. Wow. I'm so excited for the conversation that we have to enter in the new year. And it's going to have to do something with starting over, starting fresh, evaluating your life, and making some changes to hopefully make a difference. Chances are you might have a financial goal on your resolution list. I, hey, I'm just making a guess. Maybe you don't and maybe you do, but regardless, today's conversation is for you. We're talking about money makeover. We're discovering why you handle money the way that you do and what do you do about it once you have discovered and evaluated your behavior. And who better to join this conversation than my girl, Rachel Cruz. She's a New York Times bestselling author. She's got a podcast called The Rachel Cruz Show where she has more in-depth conversations about the things we are gonna chat about today. But her newest book, Know Yourself, Know Your Money, is fantastic, y'all. So regardless if you have a financial goal on your resolution list or not, this book is gonna be for you. If 2020 has taught me anything, it's that we don't have as much control over things as I thought that we did. But one of the things that we can have control over, because God has given us the control over it, is our money. Now, hear me say this. He doesn't give us the ownership over our money, but he gives us the opportunity to manage our money. So because I care about you... I am happy to open up the awkward conversations by sharing experiences of my own because we are all about making you feel more met in your mess and we are here for you. Let's start off the new year of 2021 with our friend Rachel and a conversation all about money. There's two of us Rachels on the show today. I'm so excited to have you. This is going to be awesome. Yes, thank you for having me. I so appreciate it. I'm really loving this book that we're going to talk about today because it's all about money, which you might be able to agree with me, maybe not. But I feel like money is those weird conversations, especially within the church and amongst women, where we feel like I... I don't know how to start a conversation about money. I don't know how I even think about money. And so it's su- super empowering, in my opinion, to be able to have a resource like this that we're going to talk about all today. I'm so excited for it. Well, thank you so much. I'm so glad. Yeah, it is. And money is such an interesting subject. I'm like, it can be so taboo for some people. It can be very shameful for others. It's very intimidating for some people. I mean, like it just carries all this emotion, all this different weight and so being able to just break it down in a really simple way and give people a new way of, of viewing it, this new perspective, is is a goal of mine and something that I hope helps helps all of you listening. Yeah, right. I, I so feel that. Money can be emotional. <laughs> we'll probably go there. But I want you to introduce yourself to the people that might not know who Rachel Cruz is before we jump into how incredible this book is. Oh, thank you. Yes. Well, I am Rachel Cruz. I'm a financial expert and an author and a speaker and a podcast and show host and kind of that whole world is where I live, but I love helping people get control of their money. It's one of my passions in life. And I grew up uh, as Dave Ramsey's daughter. So I kind of was 
in this environment from pretty early on. But when I <laughs> you know a thing or two, <laughs> yeah, right, right. Well, uh, I, it's fascinating because I'm like, you know, they, my parents did such a great job teaching us how money works, but yet learning from my own experiences and finding my own weaknesses and my own strengths within the subject, um, has been a big part of my story. And I started traveling and speaking with my dad when I was 15. So I found out early on, I loved public speaking which was obviously very different because most people hate public speaking, but I (laughs) loved it. And then I went to college. And when I went to college, I realized the need for this message, like meeting people my age that had so much credit card debt already and student loans and thinking everything at 18 years old. I was like, okay, I don't have all the answers, but I know stuff can be better. Like this stuff can be better if you do certain things. And so when I graduated from college, I realized this is really what I wanted to do with my life. So I, um, yeah, have authored some books. I'll go and, well, speak. The pandemic obviously has changed some of that, but um, do events and that kind of thing. And I've been married for uh, 11 years now and I have three kids. So I have Amelia, who's five, Caroline, who's three, and Charles, who's one. And yeah, just living the the mom life while doing some work on the side too. And it's been, um, it's been quite a journey, but I love it. I was about to say, you know, the journey, especially just 2020, all the things having to like, skirt, reboot, reevaluate lots of things, which I think we all find ourselves in those positions, whether it's in our career, families, dreams, goals, financial situations, all of the above. And so I want to talk about this book that you have it's your latest baby. I feel like after Charlie comes this book. That's right. Know that's yourself, right. know your money. And it is fascinating. And it's all about why you handle money the way you do and what do you even do about it. So like, let's say you've discovered, wow, I'm really unhealthy with my relationship with money. What can you do? And then on the other side, if you feel like you are stellar and you kind of get this, what else can you do? And I love this. It's great, especially in a year like 2020 (laughs) and where if I can have a handle and a grip on anything, please, Lord, let it be my finances. So will you tell us a little bit about where this book came from, your heart for it, and all the ideas kind of bound in between this two front cover and back cover? Yeah, about probably three years ago, I went on this personal journey myself of just understanding myself more and and gaining so much self-awareness and understanding why I do the things I do and through personality assessments and the Enneagram, reading books and going to counseling, like all this stuff kind of combined. I've just, I learned so much about myself. And out of that, I really feel like I became healthier emotionally and I was a better wife, a better mom, uh, a better friend and daughter. And and all these kind of aha moments I had of like, oh, wow, that's why I cope the way I cope or that's what, why I do this because of X, yeah. Y, and Z and just really learned a lot about myself. And then I, during that process, I was like, man, can I apply this to my money? So I started asking myself, okay, why do I handle money the way I do? And it just took me down this black hole of, oh, wow, there's so much here. I was like, I have to write a book on this uh, because I've been for a decade now traveling the country and talking about the how-tos of money, how to budget, how to get out of debt, how to invest, how to give, all of that, um, because that that is important. But personal finance, it's 80% behavior. It's only 20% head knowledge. So understanding the how-to is such a small part of it, but changing your behavior is really how you win long-term. And I thought, okay, well, I want to dive into those behaviors. Like, why do we have the behaviors we have? And, uh, and and it's just been such a fun journey to really help people because I think, you know, it's not just self-awareness for self-awareness sake, but it really is to use 
these these awakenings, these aha moments you have reading the book to apply it to your life and win with money faster. That's right. Yeah. And we've all been created uniquely, right? So I bet it's fascinating to kind of see how behavior, relationship, even your upbringing all have to do with how you view money, and then therefore where you go from it and what you do with it. And so I find it interesting, even with my own house, I was telling you that my husband and I grew up differently around the subject of money. And it's evident, especially when we're handling like tougher conversations about how we're going to use our emergency fund. Let's re you know, redistribute our, our budget and figure things out a little bit differently. And so you talk about this in your book about how different types of money classrooms shape the way that we handle and view money. And I found that so just like I was mind blown. I was like, yes, of course. Like what a great way to put it. Money classrooms. (laughs) Would you explain that to our friends listening? Yes. Well, your classroom really was your household and how you grew up. It is your classroom. And so there's lessons you learned that you probably use today. And there's some lessons you wish you unlearned. (laughs) So I think we all have those. (laughs) And so what I realized is that money specifically is communicated in two ways. It's communicated verbally and it's communicated emotionally. And so verbally, it's either open or it's closed. Emotionally, it's either stressed or it's calm. And so what that ended up doing was like creating this beautiful quadrant as I was writing it. I was like, oh, wow, this just made a quadrant. I was like, I'm dying right now. But it it made so much sense because there's really these four environments that you could place yourself in. The first is the anxious money classroom. And this is where uh, it was verbally closed and emotionally stressed. So you may have felt a lot of tension, a lot of stress around money, but you never really could pinpoint why because it wasn't talked about. And then the second money classroom is the is the unstable money classroom. And this is where, where verbally communication was open, but emotionally it was very, very stressed. So you felt the tension, but you also heard the tension and heard the stress, maybe from fighting, maybe your parents fought and did the same, had the same fight over and over again, or they fought with other family members about money, but like you heard it constantly. There's conflict there. Yeah. And then there's the unaware money classroom. And this is where it was verbally closed, but emotionally calm. So it was fine. It was almost like you had your head in the sands about money. You never really thought about it because just never was around. It wasn't, it wasn't a thing. Um, and then the last money classroom, which I would say definitely is the healthiest of, of all four, is the secure money classroom. And this is where you're emotionally calm and verbally open. And the key with this is that, you know, you have control over the finances. There's probably a plan in place. You know what you're doing with your money or your parents did. Um, and they were willing to talk about it. And it was open and it was good. A good communication around it. And so that's something that I, I would strive for every person reading the book that if you have your own nuclear family to really push towards that classroom number four, because that is definitely the healthiest. But but being able to pinpoint this is how I grew up. And I think it's important to realize that, you know, you're not here to to bash your parents and you're also not here to defend your parents, but you're here to tell the truth and the truth about your upbringing. And when you can be truthful and honest with yourself, you really get a lot out of it because you can say, okay, this is it. This is maybe why I do the things I do with money. This is why I can't communicate well with money. Or this is why I'm nervous to bring up the conversation of money. Or this is why I feel like ignorance is bliss and I just want my spouse to take care of the money because I don't even want to know and it feels good not knowing. That's where I'm comfortable. You know, it's all these things you can pinpoint in each money classroom. But to really understand yourself, it's a big deal. So good. Rachel, do you find like... uh 
most people almost can see themselves in one specific category like is one more popular to find yourself in than another as you kind of started doing this research yeah someone asked me that in a different interview and i think that the one that i get the most is the unaware money classroom yeah and i feel like a lot of parents um protected their kids from money and so whether it was a good money situation or a bad one they really kind of took that responsibility on themselves to be like we're not going to worry the kids but in which is which is very noble, but at the same time they neglected the communication route. So I hear a lot of people talk about the unaware money classroom. Okay, yes, because we talk a lot around here about feeling met in your mess. <laughs> so I oh feel yeah, like that's good. People yes, are, people are like, oh no, you know, like that is why I feel this way, or I don't feel this way about money and X Y Z. And it's so fun just to think through how was I raised? What did I see? What did I learn from what I saw or didn't see? A lot of it too, like you're saying, is so um, emotionally attached. And I think that's why it's easy for like, what do they say? The three things people, married couples fight about the most is money, sex, and chores or something like that. And money is one of them because it's emotional. And I I think you talk about this a lot in the book, which I thought was amazing but as we're talking through like protection and security and all these things that money can give us it's starting to obviously become attached to fear as well a part of our relationship with money so if you know money can provide us protection what about when it can't provide us protection am i now afraid am i you know making fear-based decisions and so i want to talk about how these different types of fear can also change the experiences that we have with our money yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, fear, it's an interesting subject because I went in kind of like, okay, yeah, fear is bad. Fear is bad. But I was talking to Dr. Chip Dodd, and he was one of the first ones that said, no, fear is actually a gift. It's literally your body's response that it's in need of something. And yeah. I thought that's so good. Like if a bear's coming at you, the fear of running away <laughs> is not a bad thing. Like, yes, that's run, right. you know? Um, and so if you have a money fear, like, Try to put words to it, figure it out. When you, but when it when it passes over into anxiety, then that gets unhealthy, right? Scripture's clear: don't be anxious about anything. So the anxiety part, I'm not a proponent for. But if you do have a money fear, ask yourself the questions: why and what you can do. So one top money fear, specifically around women, is the lack of security, and that's kind of the question: you know, if something happens, am I going to be okay? Because sadly, 78 percent of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. 40% of Americans can't cover a $400 emergency in cash. So the state financially of where people are, they're, they're not secure when it comes to money. And so that fear can be very real. So if you have that fear, say, okay, what things, what can I use this fear to motivate me to make really wise, wiser decisions with my money? So maybe it is, hey, I'm going to stop going into debt. Hey, I'm actually going to get out of debt, create a plan and get completely out of debt. I'm going to save up an emergency fund and have money in the bank. You know, scripture says in the, in the house of the wise, there are stores of choice food and oil. A foolish man devours all he has. So there is wisdom in having some money saved up and you want to yeah. take care of your own household first. So, so let that fear, if that's one of your fears, let that motivate you to do something good. So, um, so yeah, that was an interesting part. I write about six different money fears that I see a lot, uh, some common themes. And again, not letting it get anxious. I don't want it to get into that camp but letting it be a tool, a motivator to maybe change some habits that you've been doing so that you can win with money ultimately. So, I mean, what I believe is that you can be extremely generous, change your family tree and let money Mm -hmm. be a tool in your life, not to rule over you, but to let it create a life that you want and a life that God has for you. 
That's good. Yeah. I think especially with just what 2020 has been. Yes. I feel like even as it comes out of my mouth, I'm like, oof, cringing. <laughs> I can imagine lots of people are having to reassess and reevaluate money, period. Like whether it's budget because they lost a job, whether it's their emergency savings because it's depleted. I just feel like a lot of people are living that scared lifestyle because if I have learned anything personally from 2020, it's that I don't have control like mm. I thought I did. Mm-hmm. And it has totally reshifted my mindset of how I view the Lord and my dependency on him, but then also how, honestly, stewardship, which steps on people's toes. Like, how am I handling the things that I've been given when I can't have control of anything else? And money is one of those. And I think that that's why I would want people listening to hear that we're not talking about money because Rachel and I want you to have your dream career, your dream life, like send your kids to whatever college they want to. Like, that's all amazing. But the root of this, it's like a heart issue. And I think how we handle money obviously tells us a lot about how we view God too. Yes, absolutely. Have you found that to be true in in your own spiritual life? Oh, for sure. And I think, you know, the word stewardship, like you said, I think is a really important spiritual practice to take from our head to really our hearts. Because when you look at stewardship, it's the word manager. We are managing our money for God. We don't own it. We are managing it for him. And when you don't have ownership over something, you're able to live with an open hand. That if it if something happens and it does all get taken away because a pandemic hits or, you know, you do lose your job or something, that open hand is there. And you're like, you know what, God, I, whatever you place in this hand, I'm going to do and be diligent. You reap what you sow. So there's a level of work that I will put in here to be a, to be diligent in this life. But whatever is, whatever is handed to me, God, like, I, I don't own it. It's mine. And there's a level of spiritual release you can have with that. And so I think, yeah, setting yourself up well for that. And like you said, the pandemic, it's been it's been so hard on obviously millions of Americans and people that have been furloughed or laid off and your whole life has been rocked, closing a business, I mean, all of it. And so being able to say, number one, that like God is still good, right? Like having that solid foundation, but then also looking and saying, okay, what can I, what can I do that's wise right now? And making fear-based decisions during this time is not wise. So I would really encourage people, if that's you, to focus on the facts and to say, okay, what can I do now? And that would be um, definitely saving. If you have been for, if your income has shifted and it has gone down, you need to just be on pause on everything and just be saving. Save, save, save at this point and taking care of your four walls. It's food, shelter, utilities, and transportation. That's all you need to focus on. And then if you can stay current on your debt and not get behind, do that next for sure. And and, and, and go down the budget list. But like you said, don't let that fear drive those decisions. Let those fears say, okay, what are things I need to put in place to be wise during this time? Yeah. One of the things that your family has blessed our family with as far as just thinking creatively about money is that, thinking creatively about money. And I think before I'd always imagined it being, you work for money and you do, but there's so many other creative ways for when you're in those pinches or even if you have some free time to like learn a new skill, to sell your clothes, to like find ways to invest, just other really fun ways that um, make money. I don't know what other word to use, but fun, you know, less of a tense conversation, but like a, Hey, let's get creative with this. Let's color coordinate some things. Let's get out our highlighters and our colored pencils. Like it doesn't have to be the dreaded table conversation that it gets, rescheduled, rescheduled because you just can't do it. Absolutely. Yeah. If I've learned anything from your family, it's that this is 
this is supposed to be fun because yes, like you said, we've been called to be managers and what a gift that God trusts us enough with that to just try it out and to manage something. Yeah. Yes, that's exactly right. I know. It, and, it, and it can seem like a daunting subject for sure. And so I think like you're saying, just realizing that, yeah, this is, um, it's not supposed to be daunting. It's really a tool. God has given us this tool to create a life that we love, create a life that we feel called to and, and what he's doing and being in on that. And then the other fun part is to be giving. Like you want to be giving throughout no matter where yeah. you are financially. And that brings a lot of life and color. Like if you're bored with money, just give some of it away. Like the joy that comes from just that. Uh, it's such a beautiful, amazing thing. Yes. Oh, this is so fun to hear. I hope that when people listen to this, they can like identify where they currently are with their money situation and that they can maybe have some inspiration, like a little booty kick virtual hug going in right now. (laughs) But then at the same time, I would maybe want you to encourage them if they are fired up and they're like, okay, I have dreams that I want to go chase. I've got things that I want to do. I've got people I would want to give to that I'm not able to at the moment. What's something that they can do right now to change maybe their bad money habits that they've evaluated or have maybe become red flags to them during this conversation? Yes. Yeah. I would say tactically speaking, number one is a budget. And and I'm a natural spender. I'm kind of a natural free spirit. So the word budget always made me cringe a little. I was always like, no. (laughs) But I really learned that a budget is permission to spend. A budget allows me to do the things that I value and I want to do, but on purpose. And so a simple budget is your income minus your expenses equals zero. So every dollar coming in is assigned to a category. And that includes giving, that includes savings as well. So so really looking to say, okay, here's where my money's going. And it'll take about three months to get your budget to work, but stay with it. Because I'm telling you, if you are, if you have some bad money habits and things going on, if you just if you do a budget and stick to it and make it a habit in your life, it will change so much. You will suddenly, for the first time in your life, feel control over your money. It's a beautiful thing because then it exposes a lot of the unhealthiness. It could expose how much debt that you have and you're paying out every month to that dang car payment and that credit card. And you're like, why? It exposes how much you spend on dear God, help us all Amazon. Like it it exposes, (laughs) you know, where your spending habits are. Like it exposes so much of you. And it really, if you're, if you're insightful and you allow it to really work in you to, to, to say, okay, why am I buying these things? Like when you have to look at your bank account last month in order to create next month's budget, you will see how much you spend on food and, and asking yourself, okay, wow, why? Why do I go out to eat that much? Okay, why? Like it really makes you think so much about your yeah. purchases. So the budget is a great mirror tool, uh, not only for you to get control, but for you to really see your spending habits. And I love the budget too. Like you said, it totally reveals things to you. For example, the eating out the food, yes. it caused a deeper conversation because it's like, okay, why are we eating out? Is it because we're not managing our time well too. That's right. That's because right. Then that's a whole nother conversation. You know, is it that we can't meal prep? Is it that I, you know, oh yeah, no, <laughs> I'm really so too true. lazy to, to like go to the grocery store. I mean, it, it's revealing and it, yeah, if you allow it to speak into your life and your habits and your routine, I think that money can become way more healthier to you than just how you swipe your card or where it's going. I think yes. it, it can give you a bigger, grander picture of how you're living your life and what things are called to be excellent. I would encourage everyone listening like to do this. Like Rachel and I are talking about it, but really 
ask those why questions because it will take you deep. I mean, I even did this writing this book. I was back. I was editing it through the pandemic and I was like, oh, this is such a weird time because I'm reading back my own words and it was so convicting because I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> I'm doing this again. Like, because I, yeah, during the pandemic, especially I'm like, I would just buy stuff. And I, and finally one day I was like, Rachel, why, why are you buying it? I'm like, cause I'm just bored. And I'm like, okay, why are you not okay yeah. with just being bored? And I'm like, cause I don't want to sit with my thoughts alone. Why? Because yeah. I don't want to go down. I don't know. Like, yeah, you can just sit there and like really pinpoint it. And that's what I love about the book is I'm like, I just digs under that foundation and really gets to you and it exposes a lot. But I think that that's a beautiful thing. I think it's such a good thing to see. It is. It's never fun, but having your toes stepped on can sometimes be the best thing. That is. <laughs> Those are where I feel like my, my best moments have come from. Yeah. If people wanted to find where you were, order your book, all the fun things, where can they do that? Yes, you can go to rachelcruz.com, order it there or wherever books are sold. And um, yeah, I'm so, I really am. I'm so excited for people to read it and kind of go on this journey for themselves because I think it's a it's a really cool thing to, to see how God has uniquely wired you and how you can use who you are to change not just your money situation, but also your life. I love that. I love that. Well, one of our favorite questions, and we'll end with this, well, excuse me, one of my favorite questions to ask is what is something that you are loving these days that you have to share with the people? It can be anything. I mean, it could be like a product, a song, a shameless plug, anything. Okay. Um, um, let me think. Let me think. Okay. Do you know what I love? This is such a random product, but um, there's a thing called the makeup eraser. Have you heard of this? It's like this Isn't that towel microfiber thing? towel. Yes. Rachel. It will. Oh, is it it's legit? Like my, it's like fifteen dollars on it. It is legit. I mean, I have used every eye remover, makeup remover, wipe pad, like all of it. And this thing is—it's insane. Like I don't even know how it works because you just use water on it. Like it's not like it's soap or something. What? I don't know how it works, but it's—it is amazing. And I do have to wear a lot of makeup for my for my job, whether I'm on stage or on camera or something. So when I get home. I'm like, this thing just takes it off within like four swipes. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. So I'm, I'm going to give a shout out to the makeup eraser. Just get it off Amazon, ladies. You're welcome. That is so awesome. I know. Speaking of Amazon, one more thing to add to your cart. I, I'm going to, though. I'm totally going to. Well, we'll link yes, all of this, the book, in your website, all of the fun things in our show notes today. But Rachel, I am so grateful for you spending time with us and chatting all about the things we need to chat about, honestly. So grateful for all that you bring to the table. Oh, well, thank you, Rachel. Thanks for having me on. I so appreciate it. This episode of Behind the Bliss podcast has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more episodes so you don't miss episodes full of encouragement. And don't forget to rate and review so that we can continue to bring you the best content. See you in the next episode.